0: welcome to the power of three podcast but we are very dumb because we can't count and there's only two of us today so this would therefore be the power of two my name's kenny smith you might know me as the editor of big finish vortex magazine but you might not. On the other hand, you might know me as the web editor of Scottish Fields magazine, but you might not. In other cases, you might know me as the award-winning editor of the Ayrshire Post newspaper, which won best Scottish local weekly newspaper of the year in 2017, but you might not. On the other hand, you might just know me as Kenny Smith, that idiot bloke who just talks far, far, far too much. But I'm not here on my own. I can do basic sums because this is the power of two, and I'm joined by someone else. Hello, someone else. Hello, Kenny Smith. I
1: know Kenny Smith as all of the above. But first and foremost, your my mate of many years, Kenny Smith. Hello, everyone. I'm David Steele. You might know me. Hopefully you do. You probably don't. But you might know me as one of the hosts of the the, the rather good, if I say so myself, Earth 2 podcast, uh, which also features my good friend Peter Watson. So you should check that out if you can, if you're remotely interested in, in DC comics or even if you just want to hear a bit more of me in your life, you'll get plenty of me on that. So,
0: Kenny, what are we doing today? Well, Dave, we are returning to the world of the BBC books published in the late 90s and early 2000s, which featured the adventures of the first to seventh doctors in the main. But of course, that wasn't strictly the case, as we'll find out later on in this episode. And this Mm. is part two, and we're looking at all 76 BBC books. And we're going to pick up where we left off shortly. But first of all, Dave... Why don't we have another game before we resume of the Cask and Still Quantum Archangel game. Fantastic. That's a great idea. I'll explain the game to anyone who didn't
1: listen to our last episode. Um, We were at the Cask and Still was a pub in Hope Street in Glasgow. It's still there, but under a different name there. And in the late 90s, early 90s, it was the sort of meeting place for the Glasgow Doctor Who local group. Um, And one night we all sort of sat there and we were talking about the latest previous Doctor to have been published, which was The Quantum Archangel by Craig Hinton featuring the Sex Doctor and Melanie. And someone mentioned that there'd been a review which said that you could basically open this book at any page and find a Doctor Who continuity reference, which is, you know, this was one of Craig Hinton's preoccupations, God bless him. Um, so for a laugh, me and our, and our, and our pal David McNay um, ran round to borders, because David McNay could run in those days and i bought a copy of the quantum archangel brought it back to the pub so that we could all have a you know pick a page at random and spot the continuity reference so we had a couple of rounds of it in the last in the last episode um where we looked at the bbc previous doctor books so we're going to do a bit more kenny now kenny put an appeal out on twitter for some numbers <laughs> so um do we have do you have any of them
0: for us then, Ken? i do indeed dave what's the first number then, Ken? Right number 13 which comes from Dwayne Bunny who is at Earth Shadows on Twitter right number 13 is actually it's just
1: I'm afraid it's just a plain page that says the piecemeal construction of small gods it's obviously <laughs> it's not actually a story page it's a sort of chapter section heading um, no. page unfortunately there's nothing for that one no doubt um, it's actually
0: a reference to the I'm gods talking. of Ragnarok Dave
1: is it? I didn't actually read the book so there you go it probably is I'm just guessing <laughs> I, don't know. I don't think you can have. I don't think you can really have a chapter heading as a, as a continuity reference it's you know it doesn't it's got to be within the text
0: of the book I think I don't All think right, we can use let's that one. another one then let's go for one from Jack who is at Whoviener who, Whovien? what does that mean it's on page 78 page 78 right page 78
1: <clears throat> well the master's in it um, and there's a reference to um, as a reference to Tom Tip, there we go and obviously <laughs> to so yes there are some there's a couple there, okay, and, yeah that's fine that's okay, yeah. that, that's not bad what?
0: another one, the good old transmission of matter through interstitial time um, how about one from Chris Vint who is at Vintos Vault and he says number seven seven
1: Okay, no, Doctor, I don't know. Who knows what Time Lords feel? What do you feel? you got about the Daleks, the Cybermen, the Bear creature creatures you're brave. Yeah, that'll do. Reference to monsters. Excellent. Right. Um, another one? Do we have a higher number?
0: Yes, let's go for this one from Cara Denison meets T. And... Um, I would recommend green tea with mint. That's my drink of choice at the moment. And she asked for number two, one, two.
1: Two, one, two, okay. <laughs> Melanie had known the doctor for 23 years, exactly half her life. She had been introduced to him by her tutor, Ruth Ingram, back in her university days, but even though she still didn't know very much about him, he was an alien, he was virtually immortal. His mysterious race had exiled him to earth 40 years ago, and he had sworn to serve his adopted race. That all counts.
0: Does. Yep, unit record. Yeah, um, yeah that's fine. Uh huh. Excellent. Well, well that'll right. do us for now, and we'll keep some more yeah, for later. Yeah, we'll, we'll save some more for later. In fact, let's, right. let's have a round later, and uh, why don't we see if we can get a special guest to join us briefly.
1: I think that would be lovely. I think that would be lovely.
0: Right. Let's so, go back to the book, oh, Steve. Um, yes, definitely. What's the next one on the list, then? It is Bunker Soldiers by Martin Day, a first Doctor story with Stephen and Dodo. Awesome. Which well, is the sort of, you'd think would be the sort of
1: book that I would have read. I do own a copy of it. I think it's one that I bought fairly recently. When I say recently, I mean in the David Steele sense of recently, as in some point in the last 10 years. But I haven't read it.
0: Now, is this one that's got, um, it's like a torn, it's got a face that's sort of torn, and it's a bit like an alien from V behind it or something like that? Oh, yeah, that's should really not. I just thought that this guy was having a really bad
1: day he looked really tired but now that you mention it yeah there's a sort of lizard-like eye poking out under his eye socket Um, and you can see that his face is a bit torn and there's stuff underneath yeah they could have gone a bit more they could have gone a bit more with that actually made it a bit clearer I've had this book for a while and I just
0: thought thought, yeah this guy wants to go home (laughs) he's tired of the shift he's had enough Okay, have you you read Bunker Soldiers? I have read Bunker Soldiers. I've read them all, but I just remember nothing. I remember nothing about it at all. (laughs) Well, I should say at this point, I don't have anywhere
1: near as many books from the second half of the list as I did the first one. So
0: we'll
1: probably get through this episode. It's probably going to be a lot shorter as a result. So what's after Bunker Soldiers?
0: After Bunker Soldiers, it's Rags by Mick Lewis, which is a third Ah. doctor, Joe and Unit story.
1: Yes, I have Rags and I've read Rags. What do you remember about reading this one then?
0: I remember reading Rags and thoroughly loathing it to pieces. I think it was one of the worst Doctor Who books ever published, quite frankly. I think it's a sub-horror genre. Somebody wanted to write a book that's got sort of got horror in it with Green Man or something like that and no other publisher would take it and it ended up going to the BBC and this guy submitted it and it feels like the Doctor and Joan unit have just been added in. It is dreadful. Hmm. I read this one around about the time I
1: turned 28 So it came out in 2001. I was in the process of reading this the only time I've ever visited Brighton. My birthday in 2001 I visited my friends Tony and Alice in Cambridge mentioned Tony many times in the podcast and we went down to Brighton for a couple of days. Um, we went to a gig world down there we walked around uh, all the, the tons and tons of little shops that might still be there I'm not sure I've never been back and I was reading Rags at the time and my memory of it was that it was almost like it was like a Doctor Who novel blended with the kind of schlocky, trashy sort of horror of a James Herbert book. I think Tony was reading it at the same time. Anyone doesn't know the plot, basically Joe sort of gets caught up with a sort of travelling band of kind of never-do-wells really. The the sort of title rags basically comes from the fact that they're not very well-dressed. I remember actually appreciating it for being so different to the norm. I wouldn't say it was the worst Doctor Who book I've ever read. That probably goes to a couple of the new adventures that I didn't really care for. But I remember um, enjoying this for it being so different and I enjoyed its visceralness. slight disagreement there over
0: rags. I didn't hate it at all. Mm. Well, put it this way. If I was running out of toilet paper and I dragged sitting (laughs) nearby, I wouldn't be afraid to break up my collection and use it. (laughs) Amazing. From one that I loathe to one that I absolutely love. It is The Shadow in the Glass by Justin Richards and Stephen Cole, which is a sixth doctor story that features the Brigadier. Now, this is one that was born Mm. out of necessity. This was written only a couple of months prior to being published, as this was going to be in the slot that Jim Mortimer's novel Campaign was scheduled for, but then Jim's novel turned out to be different from what the BBC thought they were getting, and they Mm. dropped it. So over Christmas, I think it was in the space of like a week, and this was written by Justin and Steve. And you would never know. I absolutely love it. I think it's clever. It's got the Doctor meeting a journalist called Claire Aldwych and the Brigadier, and they go back to World War Two and encounter Hitler. Have you read it, Dave? No, I haven't. I own the, the reprint
1: from the historical Sort of selection that was done a few years ago. It's actually amongst a pile of books that I gave my mum to read recently. Mum's, you know, a life a, a lifelong kind of Doctor Who fan, not as hardcore as, as any of us, but you know, she's always watched it. They always watched it before I was born, they've always watched it since. Um and she, and she doesn't mind reading the old books. So recently um it's gonna break up lockdown, giving her a bundle of of books off my my BBC reprint shelf. And that was one of them. And I have to say, Mama still didn't really rate it. <laughs> There's a few that she enjoyed more and a few she enjoyed less. And this one was kind of in the middle. I I think it got one tick out of a potential two. So she wasn't too fond of it, but there we go.
0: Why don't we play a wee clip of it? Because this is one that was released as a talking book narrated by the wonderful India Fisher. So let's have a little listen to a little excerpt from The Shadow in the Glass.
2: The air was alive with noise and bullets and Ilya Petrova had just killed a child. Acrid smoke drifted aimlessly across the ground as he knelt to turn over the body of the sniper who had shot three of his unit. He found himself looking into the face of a boy, no more than 12. His head barely filled the dark metal helmet. He looked as if he was asleep, and for the briefest of eternities, the noise and the bullets froze in the air around Ilya. He thought of the blood and the waste and the killing still to come he thought of his own son, Sasha. Then a dull detonation chewed the side off a nearby block of offices, and he blinked back the moisture in his eyes and stood up. The Russians had taken Tempelhof airport that morning. Now they were inside the inner ring of the city, the zitadel, and closing on the area their generals had designated as Sector 9, where the government buildings were. Each unit wanted to be the first to reach the Reich's chancellery, Each soldier was desperate to be the one to find the Führer dead or alive. Whoever did find Hitler, it was said, would be proclaimed a hero of the Soviet Union.
0: So there we go. Hopefully, Dave, now you've heard that, that might inspire you to pick it up and give it a wee go soon. Stranger things have happened, Kenny. Absolutely. Talking of strange things, our next book is Asylum by Peter Darville Evans, which has got the fourth doctor who's travelling solo, but he encounters Nyssa in her post terminus days as she's treating Lazarus disease. Have you read this one?
1: Nope, don't own it. I haven't heard that. That sounds horrendous, quite frankly. How did he get back that he hasn't met her yet? Does he get a bang on the head and suffer from amnesia or something?
0: He's not the eighth doctor, this is the fourth doctor. Yes. I don't know, I can't remember.
1: All right, okay. (laughs) So it made quite an impression. I'll
0: do right next. What's next? Uh, Next, we have (laughs) Superior Beings by Nick Walters, which is a Fifth Doctor and Perry novel. Now, I remember this one has got quite a nice cover. It's got foxes on it and fox eyes because the aliens in it are like foxes. I don't remember too much about it, but I remember enjoying it and thinking the fox aliens were quite good. None of them were called Samantha though.
1: (laughs) So, when was this one published? Was that published two thousand and one as well? I must have. This was (laughs) June two thousand and one. Looking at, looking at the books that I've got and knowing, um, right, I think I, I, I was drifting away at this point. I was full tilt back into DC Comics, probably, as far as my, my fictional needs being satisfied at this point. I've never even heard of that one. I don't even rec- even recognise it from what you're saying about the cover, so I'm going to have to look that up and see it,
0: see how it looks. But no, I can't contribute anything to that one. <laughs> All right, then, well, how about the next one, Byzantium by Keith Talking. Ah. Now, as I recall, this one is set... Prior to the Romans, that's in the events after the TARDIS falls off a cliff and the Doctor and his friends go off to Byzantium and then they return and events continue with the Romans as we have them on TV. I own a copy. It's a very
1: nice copy, very pristine. I've no idea when I bought it, but I know for a fact I've never read it. That's a shame. Sounds quite good, though. I do like the first Doctor. Season two is one of the best ever. I should probably give that one a shot.
0: Next is Bullet Time by David A. McEntee, which is a seventh Doctor story that features Sarah Jane Smith. Nope, don't know it. I haven't got it. As I recall, this one is set in Hong Kong, and the Doctor set himself up as a businessman, and Sarah Jane is investigating what's going on. And I think at the end, it's implied that Sarah Jane gets killed. All right. Interesting. I recall... Nothing else about it.
1: Now that you say that, that vaguely rings a bell as far as being aware of maybe some people disapproving of that at the time. But as I say, I don't own it, haven't read it, can't comment.
0: This novel, of course, has been completely retconned by the episode School Reunion because Sarah Jane obviously thought the doctor was dead after returning to Gallifrey. So bullet time may not have happened after all. And I like to believe that every Doctor Who published story, whether it's Big Finish or a novel, happened in one form or another.
1: Well, you know, there's there's that wonderful concept of things being unbound. So, you know, and who knows the effects of the time war? Maybe that's something to do with it. Indeed, that's a good solution. Like it. If there's any continuity you don't like, just blame the time war. That's what I do.
0: (laughs) Next, we have science fiction by Chris Boucher, which is another fourth Doctor and Leela adventure. And bizarrely, this is another one I have no recollection of. I'm presuming it's something to do with psychic powers, given that it's PSI hence fiction.
1: Mm, I guess so. I haven't read it either. Don't know it. Don't have one.
0: <laughs> all right. Thanks, If you're listening, <laughs> next one is "Dying in the Sun" by John Deburg Miller, which is a second Doctor Ben and Polly novel. Now I remember some right. about this because it's set in Hollywood. I think it's at the time of all the like the silent movies and such like. And there's some aliens hiding in the celluloid. I think it is. They might even be called the celluloids. I can't comment because once again, I don't have this one. The co- cover rings a bell. I think I may have seen it on the shelf when it was out.
1: But no, I was definitely I was I was not. I, the Doctor and I was still reading DWM at this point, but it's, I'd pretty much given up the ghost in the books for now. I think.
0: Next, we have Instruments of Darkness by Gary Russell, which is a sixth Doctor novel with Mel and Evelyn Smythe. All right nice is that the 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 only time that Evelyn appeared in a in a novel it is it's I I really enjoyed it It, because it ties up with Gary's previous novels The Scales of Injustice and Business Unusual as it features the Irish twins Celia and Killian I think they were called uh, who Mm -hmm. were actually Autons and obviously it's got Evelyn in it too which made it a little bit special and interesting I remember enjoying it, but I cannot remember plot or anything like that.
1: should probably mentioned for anyone who doesn't know that Evelyn Smythe was the, the sex doctor companion created for the, the Big Finish audio stories. Wonderfully played, of course, by, by the late Maggie Staples. I'm really, I'm really impressed at the fact that that happened, that she was in a book. you
0: really, Remind me of the title which one was that again? That one is called Instruments yeah. of Darkness. Okay.
1: Right, well, I'm going to seek a copy of that out then because that sounds like the sort of book that I should have read by now, especially, you know, given that I go back into Big Finish a few years ago after quite a long time away. So that sounds
0: very interesting. Hmm. Next is Relative Dementias by Mark Michalowski. Now, this one's got the Seventh Doctor and Ace. Is this one that you
1: recognise at all? I recognise the name. Is there not an Eighth Doctor Big Finish story with a very similar
0: title? That's Relative Dimensions. That's a Christmas story. This one's Relative Dementias as it's set in our care home. Where there's yes. where they're looking after patients yeah, who've I, got dementia. The same, the same play on
1: words, isn't it? Yeah. No, I don't um I don't have that one. That sounds in quite bad taste, to be honest. It's no, it's actually <laughs>
0: not. It's really nicely done right. because Mark, the writer, had he was working in a care home at the time, and it's right. it's very, very sensitively done. And it, cool. I I would actually recommend it. It's one of my favorite Seventh Doctor BBC books. Okay. Okay, cool. No, I don't know it, sadly, right? The next one is Drift, which is written by Simon A. Forward, which has a beautiful cover of the TARDIS covered in snow, a fourth Doctor and Leela tale. No, nope,
1: I recognise the cover. I've seen it up and around over the years, but I haven't read it. Don't own a copy. Can't add much.
0: What about you? Do you remember it? I remember enjoying it. I remember it, it, it was atmospheric and it felt cold, which was quite a nice thing to convey, the fact that you actually felt cold while reading it. So, okay. <laughs> I, and this was actually the 50th BBC book and it was published in February 2002. Right. What's next? It's Palace of the Red Sun by Christopher Bulis, which is a sixth Doctor and Perry novel. Thinking about it, I remember the cover. It's a lovely burnt orange. It's like a palace sort of thing with a sun on it. And I remember Nafal more than that. I've never even heard of that one. <laughs> Sorry, okay. Chris,
1: if you're listening.
0: Next, we have one that I could talk about for ages because I love it it's a morality tale by David Bishop which is a third doctor and Sarah Jane adventure which is set in the 1950s when the great smog came in and killed thousands of people in London it's also exactly the same period in which the big finish audio by Roy Gill is set called the creeping death of course
1: the one with the bus as I always call it (laughs) that's the one (laughs) yeah Yes, I've read Amorality Tale. I didn't read it at the time. I read it a little while later because I have a memory of, I think I've told you this before, in the wake of the, the sort of the announcement about Doctor Who coming back in, in late 2003, and from what my pal Tony told me about a few of the books that were out at that point, my interest was kind of peaked again. And I read Amorality Tale round about then, late 2003, a little while after it came out. I think I think it's one that my mum just read, actually, because it was also reprinted in they often the oft-mentioned BBC historical little reprint range. And that got two texts from Mama Steel. So there you go. If that doesn't convince you listeners to rush out and buy a copy in some format or another, then I don't know what will. Yeah, it's um Third and Sarah Jane. so obviously right on my street. It's very good. It's very affecting. It's handled really, really well. It's very, very, very good indeed. So uh, yeah, well done, David Bishop. Of
0: course, it was issued as an audio book read by Dan Starkey. Why don't we drop in oh. and hear a little
3: bit of the action? That's an excellent idea. Sarah was amazed to learn that between 4,000 and 12,000 Londoners died during four days in December 1952. Most of the deaths had been concentrated in the city's crowded and run-down East End slums. The thousands of fatalities were attributed to a dense smog which settled on the city at this time, caused by lingering fog combining with smoke from the coal fires Londoners were still using to warm their homes. To Sarah, The idea that thousands of Londoners could die in just four days because of smog seemed almost unbelievable, yet it was a matter of public record. To a city still recovering from the horrors of the Blitz, the Great Fog of 1952 was like a blow upon a bruise. Painful, yet more of the same. The second part of Sarah's puzzle for the Doctor came from the picture archives of the London Evening News. She had been looking for photos of East End mobsters since the Second World War. Gangland bosses like the Cray Twins in the 1960s courted publicity and frequently appeared in the papers. Others were more reluctant to be seen.
0: There we go. Now that convinced me to buy it yet again. (laughs) I really enjoyed it. See, in all seriousness, it's one of my favourite. I think it's very atmospheric and it captures the the hysteria and and the fear and the panic that would have been on the streets at the time. It's thinking you just don't know what's going to happen all because of weather conditions that ended up killing thousands. Yeah. It's an interesting thing because the, the, the book makes the point that it, it doesn't really get talked about as much as it probably should.
1: You know, it's almost like it was historically speaking swept under the carpet. A lot of people died in very unpleasant circumstances. And it's, you know, people still talk about a pea super, meaning a thick fog. But, you know, you know, at this point in London, it was, it, the fog was deadly. And of course, the story gives it a bit of a science fiction twist. Deservedly worth a look, I would say, definitely.
0: What's next? Next, Dave, is Warmonger by Terence Dix, which features The Fifth Doctor and Perried. Are you aware of this one? Have you read it? I've heard of it. Um, Am I right in thinking there's a slight element of controversy
1: around this one, is that right? Yes, because it's a prequel to The Brain of Morbius. Ah, that's all we need, isn't it? More stories hinging around moments from The Brain of Morbius.
0: (laughs) I mean, quite frankly... I, I don't think it's a story that needed to be told. I mean, God bless Terence; He was a genius and such a great man. Yes. But Warmonger was a story that I don't think we needed to tell because the Doctor takes on the name of the Supremo or something like that. And there's a whole fleet of spaceships and leads the fight against Morbius. For me, I didn't enjoy it. It was just, it exists. Right. And that's pretty much all I can say about it.
1: It's an interesting thing that, um, we have, I mean, as much as we all love Terence and we all do, it, it's, it's not probably uh, it's not probably wrong to say that many of his later works as books and stuff just kind of riffed on stuff from his earlier stories he didn't really do an awful lot of coming up with new ideas it was almost like he, even the sh- even a short story in um the the last sort of target books anthology the hard cover of this anthology that was released a, a year or so ago it was still riffing on the war games you know he riffed on the war games when he did his new adventure and then this, this one is just riffing and brain and Morbius, which is obviously another one of these stories. And you sort of think, well, come on, mate, you could have done a bit better than that. I don't know. I haven't, but as you say, I haven't read Monger, but I've, I've heard a few people being quite dismissive of it, you know, sort of saying that it's not, not his best work by any stretch. Yeah. And right, what's next then, Kenny?
0: Well, next, Dave, we have one, one that I actually remember really, really well. It is uh-huh. by Steve Cole and it's 10 Little Aliens, which is a first Doctor Adventure, Ben and Polly. With Ben and Polly,
1: controversial. Yeah. Not, not controversial now, because obviously, if you watch the TV episodes, it just they just go straight from the war machines to the smugglers to the 10th Planet. But if you listen to the Big Finish Companion Chronicles box set, <laughs> we know that they get their path is interfered with by the Time War. So yes, this I I I might have had issues with this book once upon a time, but I don't have them now. That's quite funny. <laughs> I haven't read it though.
0: It's one that I remember really, really vividly because there's a section in this where it basically turns into a uh, make your own adventure book where oh, really? fought, you can go left, you can go right, to carry on. And there's a whole section of this. And I went back and reread all of these so I could get all the possibilities. So <laughs> I knew everything that had happened. And it is really, really cleverly done because you do not see it coming. It's in part of I think it's like there's like a like an artificial reality kind of thing. And off the go. Right. Yeah, it's really well done, and it's it's gimmicky, and, and it's it's a nice wee touch. I was quite impressed by it long before we had John Dorney's rather fantastic You Are the Doctor in Audio, but of course many years after the Find Your Fate books for the Colin Baker incarnation.
1: Um, I'm sure I had. Oh, wait wait a minute. Stand up. Yes, I can see. So in this little pile, we have the audiobook of The Harvest of Time by Alistair Reynolds. We have... Um, the the BBC video postcard book that came with the special edition of the Five Doctors and K9 and Company, which because they didn't because they stopped producing the postcards after a little while has about seven or eight in it. Make your own adventure with Doctor Who. I've searched for the Doctor. Yep. By David Martin. I have Crisis in Space by Michael Holt. <laughs> uh, I have Mission, Mission to Venus by William Ems and Invasion of the Ormazoids by Oh. My new favorite person in the history of time and things ever,
0: Philip Martin. Wow. So that means you're missing two. One of them is Race Against Time, which I think is the Pip and Jane Baker one. And have you is that what's the one by is that William M's? It's got the imps in it.
1: I bet Tom has a copy of the Pip and Jane Baker one because he loves Pip and Jane Baker and he loves the Rani. I bet he's got
0: that one. Yeah. Quite nice if you could pop in and join us later. I'm sure I've got one of the
1: American editions that. That my my off-mentioned pal Steve Higgins gave me at one point, but I can't see that at the moment.
0: They had beautiful covers. It. They were far better than the ones that we got. Oh
1: yeah, the the, the, the yeah, no, I mean, no offense to um Gail Bennett. Gail. Yeah. yeah. but I mean, um well, actually, Search for the Doctor's quite good. It looks like she had longer than 10 minutes to do that one. <laughs> Crisis in Space is quite good, but yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe we should do have a, it, Kenny. Maybe we should do another podcast where we do one of these books live. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That'd be fun, wouldn't it? Dave, Dude. can I just interrupt yeah. you there for a wee second? Uh-oh.
1: Right, yeah.
0: <laughs> Which Ten. BBC book features a hundred monsters, but they're quite diminutive in stature? Um... Oh. I don't know, tell me. Ton little aliens. Let's move on to the next novel, mm-hmm. which was Combat Rock, written by Mick Lewis, which features the second yes. Doctor, Victoria and Jamie. So it's the so same... He, he's role.
1: the guy that the isn't it? Yes, that's that's the one I was thinking of. Yeah. I remember the cover with some skeletons and a, a military helmet and stuff. I haven't read it. Did you? Obviously, you've read them all. So what were your thoughts
0: on that one? Did you like it more or less than rags? I would recommend that you save yourself about six hours of your life and don't bother. <laughs> Right, uh, next we've next. got The Sons of Koresh by Paul Saint, which is a third Doctor and Joe novel. Now, this one okay. I remember was the cover because the Doctor has had his hair shaved off and looks a bit like a tea fowl head, and oh, Joe has also had her locks shaved off too.
1: Yes, I've seen the cover, that awful Photoshop, early Photoshop job. Yes, I haven't read it though, so but I remember seeing the cover on the shelf and going, oh God, that puts me right off.
0: <laughs> what's your thoughts on the book then i just remember they got their hair shaved off and and it exists really i don't remember any more <laughs> right. than that okay. <laughs> amazing right what's next next is one that i do remember a bit about it is heritage which is a novel by dale smith which features the seventh doctor and ace okay. do you know this one
1: no nope, it's not one that i've got don't recognize it. don't recognize the name or
0: anything well, it features them arriving on an alien world. Now, if I remember correctly, I may be wrong in this, but I have a recollection that perhaps maybe... Mel- no, no, that's another one. I was thinking that maybe Mel was in this and she dies at the end or something like that. All right. Because around this time, they were trying to do the wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Yes, it is. Yes, it has but- got Mel in it. This is the one. And uh, Mel dies at the end, and there's this is all to do with like time-going weird... Because there's of the events that are going on in Eighth Doctor novels and yeah. things that were happening, in that were going back and affecting the previous Doctor novels, so we're all going, huh? But I think it might have been an older male, but I don't remember all too right. much more than that. Does that um that
1: sounds like it's tying in with um was it interference, the Lawrence Miles book where they killed the Third Doctor off earlier than he was supposed to, and yeah, that had. Uh, there's, what were they called? The Faction Paradox, all that that's, sort of stuff? That's the ones. What was that one called? That
0: Heritage. was called Heritage. Heritage. Right. Okay. What's next after that then? Dave, we're now joined by our co host, Mr. Tom Harris. Hello, Tom. Earth Calling Orson. Hello. Tom, we're delighted to welcome you for another round of the Cask and Still Quantum Archangel game. Oh, you know the rules. Pick a number between 1 and 284, and let's see if we can find a continuity reference in this work of legend. Dave, over to you. Tom, yes,
1: as Kerry says, we need you to pick one a number page number between 1 and 284, and then we'll see if there's a Doctor Who reference on that page. In your own time, Tom.
4: I am so proud I've never heard of this game. <laughs> uh,
1: page
0: 24.
1: Page 24.
0: Right. <laughs> Tension's palpable.
1: It is, isn't it? Uh, oh, right. Okay. There's something there. Yep. Yeah, the, well, yeah, there we go. We have the Newton Institute at Wharton, Professor Stuart Hyde, and the Whitaker Archives, which have to be a reference to
0: David. Go- and even better, Aaron Blinovich gets a mention. <laughs> <laughs> Super. Aaron Yep. Time yep. Monster, Blinovich Limitation Effect. We're good. <laughs> Tom. <laughs> Let's Tom, play that give game us... again. <laughs> yes, give,
1: it, give us another number then, Tom.
4: Guys, I can't tell you how tragic this is. Right, <laughs> page, page 100. Page 100.
1: Right.
0: You never lived, Tom, in the 90s. No, I clearly, clearly didn't. <laughs> I think the difference that is,
4: is really... I actually did have a life in the 90s. That's why you two are getting
1: this and I'm not. <laughs> Rassilon. Yeah, Rassilon's eight oh goodness me right yes Heisenberg yeah that's fine
4: Rassilon she
1: gets a mention and Time Lords yes she does (laughs) amazing amazing (laughs) right give us another number then Tom
4: Uh, 101
0: oh forgot. (laughs) (laughs) God
1: it's closed about right 101 and the doctor and student. How much pain could a time lord take? Yeah, that would do, wouldn't it? That's enough, unnecessary. You're a temporal physicist. You must understand the fundamental relationship between different molecular bonds and shapes, and the master gets another mention as well. That'll do, that's fine. Is that it? Okay. Yeah, give, give us another one, a bit higher. Oh,
4: another one? Right, okay. Um, 159.
1: 159.
4: Right. This is good this is, this um, is is scored by a tune. This is
1: great radio for listeners. Yes, it is, isn't it? <laughs> David, David tries. There's not Dude. very much in it. Just a mention of Stuart from the Time Monster and the old fashioned police box, which is the TARDIS. Um, no, that's not. Yeah, well, it's a bit of a stretch. There's nothing as good as this. There's not really very much in this one. Should okay, we try one more Stuart. for One more. What's the,
4: what's the highest it can go up to?
1: 284. But we had yeah. 282 from Steve.
4: No no well I'll give me two hundred and twenty-four.
1: Two hundred and twenty-four, right.
4: <laughs>
1: <clears throat> This is good. Twelve hours ago the president had taken delivery of the report and nothing could ever be the same again. Sighing, he stood up feeling every second of his many lives. He reached around his neck, locating the key beneath the heavy gold bites of the sash. Yep. It's time to go across the room. A blue Metropolitan Police. So yes, we have a time lord president talking about Rasalind on Key. One oh, as a reference to War Tardis. There's a reference to the APC net and the Matrix and the High Council. There we go. And the CIA. That'll do. Tremendous.
0: There we go. That, Tom, thanks very much for joining us for another exciting round of Catkin Still Quantum Archangel game. Yes, Tom can. Tom can go back to Espace now. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs>
4: See you later. I'm I'm, I'm away hunting Lala Ward.
1: <laughs> yeah, thanks for that, Tom. Thanks for dropping by. And what's the next book then, Kenny?
0: Our next book is the one that we, as we heard last episode, the one that most of our listeners have tend to mention, is Fear of the Dark by Trevor Baxendale, which is a fifth Doctor novel with Tegan and Nissa.
1: Now, I own a copy of Fear of the Dark. And I have it in the reprinted 50th anniversary edition. And I feel really bad about this because Trevor Baxendale is one of the nicest people in the world. He's such a good guy. I and mean, he's also a fan of the Magnificent Seven movies like I am. But I haven't read it. <laughs> Trevor, I'm so sorry <laughs> if you're listening. I doubt, I doubt you will be. I should move this one up. I should move this one onto my reading shelf and and really give it some attention. What's your thoughts on Peter of the Dark, Kenny?
0: I really enjoyed it. It's It's creepy throughout. I mean, been- even from the cover, it's you've got the fifth Doctor in monochrome and half of his face has been replaced by a skull.
1: Yeah, because the, the anecdote from Trevor is that um, it ended up being a little darker than he, than he originally wanted, you know, the the, um, the skull to be, apparently. I remember he said that in the introduction to the reprint. The skull was supposed to be a bit clearer, but it's very effective. From what I have heard about it, I don't really want to ask you to go into too many details about the plot, because I think it is one that I do want to read. Would you enjoy it yourself?
0: Yes, very much. I mean, it's a case of, um, let me think, they arrive on a planet or a moon and they find there's an entity there that is being reawoken and and it's able to control people's minds and it all goes from there. And it's just wonderfully dark. I mean, I think actually, I could be wrong, but I'm sure this got a review in the national press at the time. And it got a cracking review from, from either The Times or The Guardian, but got a right. great review and said it's really, really creepy. So yes, I would hugely recommend *Fear of the Dark* by Trevor Baxendale. When was *Fear of the Dark* published? This was published in December two thousand and two. I mean, I remember reading this because um, this was published not long after my dad had passed away. It actually, I mean, yes, it's, it's quite a dark book, but it actually was. It you know, it was published in the December, which is obviously a, a tough month. First month without yeah, a, your first Christmas. Yeah, that appeared. I read this over the Christmas holidays, and it actually, I actually, really enjoyed it, and it improved my mood bizarrely <laughs> when it's full of death and horror and and such like. <laughs> so that's, that's what <laughs> my head was, listeners.
1: <laughs> December two thousand and two was when I had not long moved up to to HMB Socky L Street. So it was my first and only sole Christmas as a as a singles buyer. Yes, good times, good times. Right, what's next after Fear of the Dark? It
0: is. Blue Box by Kate Orman. Ah, I have
1: a copy Dr. of Doctor and Perry
0: book. I have a copy of that. I haven't read it, but I've got
2: one.
0: It's um, green with a blue box or blue circle or something in the cover, as I recall. Yeah, right. It's, it's, it's right here. Here we are. Tell us a bit more about this one then. Well, from what I recall, it's all about computers in the 80s and stuff, because you think with a name like Blue Box, it's going to be all about the TARDIS. But I'm sure, as I recall... They're actually on the hunt for a blue box which has got computer technology or something like that in it beyond that i cannot remember too much Let's See, interesting okay that's fine what's next next one is <laughs> loving the alien by mike tucker and robert perry which is the seventh doctor and ace novel ah. now this is one that you mentioned no. previously dave
1: was that is that the one then when they, they kill off ace and replace her with another ace that's the one i don't own it but the title is very very familiar was that? Could that have been reprinted at one point? I don't know. I don't think, I don't so. think so. No, it's very familiar. Maybe Tony, the former, the off mentioned Tony Nixon. Welcome to the Tony Nixon Remembers podcast. I think he met talks about it, but it, it's really, I really recognise that title more than a lot of them. So there, again, there must have been a bit of fuss about it at the time for it to register in my head.
0: Yeah, there's a picture of Ace from the Happiness Patrol, and then there's a picture of her lying dead with a burn on her face, which I think came from one of yeah. the summoned by shadows type videos. Right. The, the unofficial ones that Bill Baggs did in the early 90s with Colin Baker and Nicola Bryant, which was not at all about the Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. It was all about the stranger and Miss Brown, his yes. traveling companion.
1: Yes, in the wilderness years, kids. We had to make we had to make do with other people making their own not real Doctor Who, probably nowadays.
0: But what do I remember about it? It was it was the final one in the in the the tucker and perry arc which has got a whole you know all about the seventh Doctor and ace and de- and this is sort of it kind of having delineated from the new adventures this sort of sets up the ace of the new adventures because yeah. she's amnesiac at the end and that would tie in with the beginning of timeworm genesis oh i see interesting so ken do you
1: remember um, do you remember any details then about how they how they killed her off or anything
0: I actually don't, which is a bit bizarre. I oh, well. you think you'd remember how <laughs> a companion dies.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, not to worry. I remember they actually a few years before that they killed her off in the Doctor Who magazine comic strip, didn't they?
2: They did. Um,
1: yeah, and I remember. I remember being a bit annoyed at that at the time because it was so disconnected from the from the new adventures because they'd done a good job of, you know. They weren't slavishly following each other, but they made a point of the New Adventures in the DWM comic strip in the 90s, not really contradicting each other at any point. And then they went and killed off Ace in a big sort of companion team-up story. And yeah, maybe 25 years later, but it still annoyed me. <laughs> it just felt forced. Didn't feel authentic. Yep. It didn't feel organic, but not to worry. Right, what's next after Loving the
0: Alien? After the Loving the Alien, we're off to The Colony of Lies by Colin Brake, which is a seventh and second Doctor novel which has got Ace, Plus Zoe and Jamie in it. Oh, now, all right. I cannot remember the plot in this, but I remember I put it down. And thought actually, this is quite good fun. I think it's set in sort of like a. It's got sort of like a cowboyish cover, and I think it's mainly it's the it's mainly a second Doctor novel, but the seventh Doctor to right. pop up later, on. this is all tying in with the ongoing interference art.
1: Right. I see. Interesting. I have a vague sense of seeing a sort of western style cover, but um. I don't have it. I ain't read it. What's next?
0: Next is Wilkes-Bane by Jacqueline ah, Weiner.
1: Yes, I have Wilkes-Bane and I read Wilkes-Bane. I have a little note in the back of this to check. I made a note of something on page 61. I wonder what that was.
0: Hmm. Well, you look that up, It's this is, dear listeners, an Eighth Doctor and Fourth Doctor crossover <laughs> novel. So it's the, the Fourth Doctor with Sarah and Harry <laughs> encountering the amnesiac Eighth Doctor from the BBC Books range.
1: Mm. Does Harry not get killed or something? And there's and I have a vague memory of something. Yeah, because it's even right. I mean, I'll read the back. Harry Sullivan died twenty-eighth of November 1936, deliver us from evil. Harry is dead, having left him abandoned and alone in pre-war Britain, the doctor and Cedar tried to solve the mystery of his death, but the only witness is in, in a lunatic asylum, driven mad by what he has seen. He tells of murder and mutilation of living trees and long dead legends of wolfmen and war and of a mysterious stranger known only as the Doctor. Can it be true that Harry discovered the last resting place of the Holy Grail? Why are the flowers and trees in a Somerset village in full bloom at Christmas? And is it just the coincidence that Harry died under a full moon? Mm. I've read it, but the thing is I don't remember very much about it at all. I remember, some, I seem to remember something about sort of parallel timelines sort of co-inverging, something to do with the, the Doctor telling the Brigadier that Harry and Sarah weren't coming back. And has Harry teamed up with the Eighth Doctor for some of it? Is that
0: that's right, that he meets a, the 8th yeah. Doctor and he doesn't realise of course that it's the same man as his uh, friend who he travels with in the TARDIS but yes, there's a, yeah. there's some nice meet-up stuff and obviously the 8th Doctor doesn't recognise him because his memory's gone to make way for the Matrix, which we didn't realise was the
1: yes, case. Because the, um, yeah, because there was that whole arc that ran through the 8th Doctor book starting in the burning um, when he was amnesiac which seems to happen to the 8th Doctor a lot he's amnesiac and stranded enough, waiting, you know Waiting for the either, I can't remember now. Waiting for the TARDIS to recover or something like that. Not at that's all it. like stranded. Not at all like stranded. Amnesiac, not at all like what they did in the Lucy Miller series. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, Ken. Kenny, put the shotgun down. Just kidding. No, I might have to read Will Spain again or at least try and find a detailed summary to remind myself. But I remember enjoying it very much. I'm looking at the cover now and amused by the ancient Photoshop lens flare that's been put over the, the image of the TARDIS. That's an early Photoshop user's nightmare right there. Into the pile.
0: What's next? Our next book is the 40th anniversary special novel from the BBC, which was Deadly Reunion, written by Terence Dixon, Barry Letts, and featured the third doctor, Joe, and Unit, of course. Now, this one is quite interesting because it's half of it's written by Terence and half written by Barry, as I recall. I think they get quite a bit of the Brigadier's military background, perhaps serving in Cyprus, which was based on Barry Letts' own time in, I think, perhaps State National Service. And the rest of it, I think there's like Gods in the Sky or something like that, which is the Terence half of the book. So did one
1: of them write half and then the other other one wrote the other half?
0: Yes, that's pretty
1: much it. Right. So they didn't combine ideas and write it together as such. One of them wrote some of it and one... That's very interesting. I have a copy. I know that it's secondhand um, because the spine is cracked and I'm showing Kenny via the Zoom camera. Um, you probably can't see, but the price has been scored out with Black Felt Tip. I think this is one that I probably bought when I mentioned in the last episode that I went, went through a phase a few years ago buying a few up that I didn't have. That was one that I've got then, but I ain't read it. Oh, well. I have five. I
0: have four books left. How many books are there left in the... We have 11 more to talk about. Oh, right. OK, that's not out. too bad. Now, around this time, this was when um, I got engaged in September right. 2003. And at this point, I had I actually fell away from the books because Wolfsbane was the last one I bought as they were coming out, apart from one right. which we will come on to. I had to scrabble to try and find a daily reunion later on, about a year right. and a half later and I thought, what the hell have I done? Because this is by this point we knew the range was coming to an end and I thought, I need to complete them. So thankfully, my local Waterstones, or in fact it was Ottikers at the time, had it, so I was able to pick it up and get uh, get my copy. Was that Ottikers an East Bride? Yes.
1: Yes, I remember because they had a full size Dalek at one point, didn't they? They did. So I mean, when was the other reunion? If that was published to coincide with the 40th anniversary, by that time I was working in HMV East Bride, and which was just right next door to Ottikers. And but then, of course, we'd had the announcement that the TV series was coming back which I suppose is what really sounded the kind of the death tone for the for these the Eighth Doctor and the Previous Doctor books, because I know they, they kept publishing them a little while after the series had sort of come back, but they, they went to the monthly sort of, the monthly schedule kind of stopped, didn't it?
0: That's right, because at yeah. this point we're into two every two months, because that changed in, uh, it was in 2002, September 2002, because right. it, it was the month my dad passed away and there wasn't a past Doctor novel that month. Right. But you talk um, of a new series. Right. The Scream of the Shalka, the unofficial ninth doctor, that's the Richard E. Grant incarnation, not the Rowan Atkinson one. This is the novelization of his only animated adventure written by Paul Cornell. And I have to admit that I said earlier that I'd read all of the books. It's just dawned on me that I have never actually read The Scream of the Shalka. I do know that... Part of the book is all about the making of it, but I genuinely haven't even read that, and that's the sort of thing that I love to know about, the making of stuff. I'm afraid it's one that's passed me by. I haven't even got the talking book version.
5: He'd flown into Auckland at four o'clock in the morning and had been stunned just by the clear smell of the air as he'd walked to his taxi. Despite the jet lag, every turn on the empty two-lane roads presented him with some new joyful sight, And every time he'd expected bureaucracy to get in the way of something he'd wanted to do, there was instead a wave of the hand and a promise that all was sweet as. The Kiwis, he had swiftly decided, were the least frightened people on earth. Everything was going to be fine. Nothing was going to happen. His new friends at the survey had last weekend cajoled him into throwing himself off a bridge with a bungee cord wrapped around his ankle. And he'd actually done it freed from his fear. Every morning he woke to clean air, clear skies. Even the rain tasted good. He thought that it was when he'd gone whale-watching off Kaikoura that he'd finally got it. He'd seen the giant, serene bulk of a sperm whale surface and lie there, calm in the sun, breathing. And something inside Dave had relaxed in a way he had never known before.
1: Grief. I was just moving there to check and see if I had it because I wasn't sure if I had it or not, and maybe I'd put it on, on a on a different shelf, but I don't. We haven't I don't think we've done Scream of the Shalka for the main podcast. That'd be quite good. We could do that with Dreamland and Infinite Quest. That'd be fun. We should think about that. Anyway, right, what's
0: the next book? Now the next book is written by David Bishop. This is The Empire of Death, The Fifth Doctor, and Nyssa Story. And now, Dave, as a wee surprise for you, here is David Bishop. He's going to tell us a little bit about how he wrote Empire of Death, as some of it is set in Scotland, near where I live. He's in Bigger, which is quite close to New Lanark. David has a new book out, which is called City of Vengeance, which he's written as D.V. Bishop, and would thoroughly recommend you track it down. Tremendous.
6: My name's David Bishop. You know, Empire of Death has got um, New Lanark in it as well, which is... Yeah, so no, I, I did the whole I did the whole tour. I did the tour twice. I walked up to the falls. I did the whole bit when I was writing the book to make it all as you know semi credible as possible. So yeah, it's it's not a bad one that. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly better than the Domino Effect. Ooh, what a pile of bobbins that is. Yes, uh, Empire of Death, which is the original, the title I wanted to call it, which I thought was very Christopher Bidmead, was Metempsychosis. which is. Which is to do with the transubstantiation of the soul. And Justin Richards, who was editor of the Doctor Who Line at the time, was like, eh, no, I don't think we're gonna call it that. <laughs> so I wasn't allowed to call my book metam. So so they said Empire of Death instead. And I was like, Yeah, whatever. <laughs> The, the metempsychosis is it's borrowed from an episode of Inspector Morse called Masonic Mysteries, because I'm a massive Inspector Morse head. So, uh, yeah, so it's the what? There's a famous character in that called Hugo de Frey, and he goes on about metempsychosis. And at the time, this was like 1991. I went, That's a brilliant name for a sort of fifth doctor, you know, past doctor adventure. That would be amazing. Couldn't get Justin to believe me on that, but hey ho, such is life. And of course, I have a very bad history of coming up with titles and having them changed by editors or by publishers, almost everything I've ever written for big finish. Most of my titles got changed for BBC books, the titles got changed and then the city of vengeance wasn't called city of vengeance. Originally it was called safer to be feared, which is from the, there's a quote from, uh, the Prince by Machiavelli at the start of the book. And that's actually where the, where the title was going to come from. And they were like, mm, no, we're going to call it City of Vengeance. And I was like, okay, fine. I did a, I did a big finish audio, which originally I wanted to call, I think the working title was Atrocity of the Daleks. And that was deemed to be a little too much. So it was Ellen Bounds who suggested Enemy of the Daleks, which actually is a much better title, so it's fine.
0: And this was a complete coincidence. I was talking to him about stuff for work, and then it popped into my head and thought, we're covering this, so let's get it in. So yes, Brilliant. I have to admit, vested interest in this one. I was asked by David to proofread this one, as I'd interviewed him before about his previous Eighth Doctor novel. And he knew that I knew the area, because this one is partly set near where we live. This is partly set at the Coraline Waterfall and the Falls of Clyde just outside Glasgow and the town of New (laughs) Lanark and it's rather fantastic. We've got Queen Victoria who's mourning the death of Prince Albert and the fifth doctor uh, comes along uh, with Nyssa and they find that there's something in the water of the Coraline pool underneath this waterfall and they end up finding that they think there's a way to the afterlife there. But, of course, it's not the afterlife. It's an alien dimension. And I love this one to right. bits. I think it's really good fun and it's very atmospheric and it's so good. You can actually feel the water in the air. You know, like when you walk near a waterfall, you see all that spray coming out of it. For me, this book even mm. has that added to it. It's got that kind of atmosphere to it and I love it. Interesting. What was the title again? Empire do this of bit Death.
1: In. Empire of Death. Right, I'm going to check that one out then. I'm going to add that to the list of the ones I need to check out, because that sounds very interesting. I think if I'd known it was set in Scotland, I would have investigated it before now.
0: Interesting. And th- thanks to David Bishop for his contribution, that's tremendous. What's the, what's the next one? Next we have The Eleventh Tiger by David A. McIntyre, which has got the first Doctor, Ian, Barbara and Vicky. Now, this one I really enjoyed. I right. mentioned previously that some of David's previous books had maybe perhaps a bit too much research, but this one again, very atmospheric. I think it's set in China, and I remember putting, you know, finishing the book and thinking that was quite entertaining, and I learned stuff. I can't remember what I learned, but at right. the time it was new, and it was all right. <laughs> I haven't read this one. I have. I, I remember seeing the
1: cover. Uh, you know, a, a full length sort of Photoshop composite of Bill using a mainly an image from the Celeste Toy Maker. I think I haven't read it, but I, I know what you mean about the. Um, the I remember because I've, I've said before, I'm sure, showing the podcast how. David's novel Sanctuary took you know, took me six years to read and then I read Human Nature in 10 minutes. But I remember um, it was almost like, like he'd sort of, he, he used to, it felt like he was copying and pasting really, really dense descriptions of buildings and, and sort of the layout of places, which he didn't really, really need if he wanted to tell the story. But you know, so that's, that's another one I don't know, I don't have it either, sadly. So what's next?
0: Next, we have Synthespian's Trademark by Craig Hinton, which is a Sixth Doctrine Perry novel. Now, you may remember there was a bit of controversy about this one at the time, which made the national press. Yes. Because the yeah, cover of this used a picture from Dynasty and the cast were replaced with Auton faces. And then, of course, they found out, hang on, we don't have permission to do this. So we got a replacement at very short notice.
1: Yes, that rings a bell. I recognise the cover. I don't own it. Sixth and Mel, did you say?
0: Sixth Doctor and Perry. Sixth Doctor and Perry. I wonder if it's as full of continuity references as the aforementioned Quantum Archangel. Don't think it is. I think this one is far more... It's all about... It's like a soap opera spoof where they've got auton actors to come in and replace soap stars. Interesting.
1: Interesting. That does sound quite good. There's probably a part of me that thought, oh, God, Craig Hinton doing an auton story. I can imagine exactly what that's like. Oh, God, no thanks. So... Oh well, not to worry.
0: <laughs> Let's move on, shall we? Next, we will have the Algebra of Ice by Lloyd Rose, which is a seventh Doctor and Ace novel. I remember cover is rather gorgeous, but I actually don't remember anything about it. I recognise the name, but I haven't read it. I can't. What's, what's the cover like? It's ice, and I think there's the TARDIS in oh. there. <laughs> no, it's just a it's just a windy, snowy landscape. Thinking about it,
1: okay. No, I don't know anything about that one. I can't contribute at all.
0: Oh, Sorry. Well. <laughs> Next, oh, well. we move on to The Indestructible Man by Simon Messingham, which is ah, the second Doctor Jamie and Zoe book, which I think you probably will talking. know about. Now you're
1: talking. Yes, I could do a TED Talk on this book. I'm a huge fan of the, the 60s Jerry Anderson series, you know, especially Captain Scarlet and the Mistrons. I did a watch through of Thunderbirds. Was it last year the year before? This book, you know, was like... This was like you know, this was like drugs. <laughs> I love this book. I
0: remember reading this one. What do you have the publication date for this one, Kenny? Yep, this one came out in November two thousand and four. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I remember
1: reading this one when I was in the process. I moved to. I was in the process of starting at HMB Clyde Bank. I was literally in the process of leaving East Kilbride and going to Clyde Bank. this this book kind of spanned me leaving EK and going to open up the Clyde Bank shop. We should describe the cover. It's basically, obviously, we have a sort of sky base, which is obviously based on cloud base from Captain Scarlet and Zoe, and has been photoshopped to look as if she's wearing one of the, the purple wigs that the girls in the moon base in the Jerry Anderson series UFO wore. It's basically what if all of the Jerry Anderson series existed in the Doctor Who timeline. Instead of um instead of Thunderbirds, they're called like lightning hawks and all that sort of stuff. And the titular Indestructible Man, as a reference obviously to Captain Scarlet. I really enjoyed it because of all the, the obvious Jerry Anderson references. It was a lot of fun, very enjoyable. But I remember reading a review. I can't think what the review, I can't remember now where it was. I can't remember if it was in DWM or SFX or TV zone or something. I feel feeling it might have been SFX. But basically the um it got a bad review. And the person claimed that they didn't spot a single Jerry Anderson reference in the whole thing. And I was like, You're at it. This was excellent. Um, Simon Messi yeah, I have, I can't say anything bad with this at all. I remember remember at the end feeling a little bit, oh, okay. All of Jerry Anderson's old series, they're all contemporary with Doctor Who, you know, Camp Scarlet was on or Troughton was on, Thunderbirds was on or Bill Hartnell was on, you know. So it was really interesting, sort of having them all blended together and Doctor Who sort of joining. Yes, I could talk about this one for about for an for an entire
0: podcast. What did you think of it, Kenny? Loved it, absolutely great. Because mm-hmm. I remember reading it at the time and thought, oh, that's a bit odd. And then you know, once you, I think what, it took me about you know maybe twenty pages, twenty five pages to think, you know, to get into the vibe with it, and then loved it, absolutely loved it. Like you, I enjoy my Anderson series, and it was mm-hmm. a lovely, it was it was definitely a, a homage done with love and a, a good tribute, yes. and yes, good a good read.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a character here, Commander Hal Bishop, <laughs> which is also a reference to Ed Bishop, who did, who did the voice of Captain Blue and played Commander Straker in UFO and you know, he works at a film studio and all that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, tremendous. Yeah. <laughs> right, what's next after The Indestructible Man? It's Match of the Day by Chris Boucher, which is another fourth Doctor in Leela tale. I remember it's got sort of like a sporty cover, maybe not the Doctor in a football pitch, it's Everything else is just gone. I'm afraid that I don't remember too much about it. I, rec- I recognise the title. I will have
1: seen the cover. Um, are they not behind some sort of gate inside an arena or something? Something like that. that could I remember. Weird. Another another early Photoshop job. The sort of thing that um, I could rustle up on my mum's ancient PC and, and even more ancient software. No, I haven't read any of the Chris Boucher Doctor Who novels, which is insane because Robots of Death is in my top three Doctor Who stories of all time. I really mm.
0: should do something about that. Next Let's take a trip to the third Doctor's era. It's the Island of Death by Barry Letts, which has got Sarah Jane in it and Jeremy Fitz
1: Ah, now Jeremy's from the the radio plays, isn't
0: he? That's right, from the Paradise of Death and the Ghosts of End Space.
1: Yeah, I haven't read it. I, it's rather surprising I don't have it. That's the sort of one I thought I would have bought and would have picked up or would have picked up after the event. When did that one come out? That was July two thousand and five. So the, the TV series was back by this point then? Yep. That's really interesting. Wow. Okay. So um the books must have been a bit must have been even less than every two months by this point, I would have thought.
0: It is every two months still, but
1: dwindling, still obviously. Great. Yeah, yeah. So what right, do you what are your thoughts on Island of Death?
0: I just remember I, I didn't particularly enjoy it, I must admit, I'm afraid to say I wasn't a big fan of Jeremy in the radio serials. I just don't remember much about it. I think the aliens have got a silly name, something like the Ucrang right. or something like that. But beyond that, I'm afraid that it's one that I read it and you know I finished the last page and then my memories completely deleted it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm vaguely I have a vague memory of Tony being a little dismissive of it, my filter for so much of what was going on in doctor in the early 21st century. That's a shame.
0: What's next after Island of Death? Next, we have Spiral Scratch by Gary Russell, a sixth Doctor uh-huh. and Mel novel. I mentioned earlier that I didn't buy a few of the books towards the end of the range. And this is one that I didn't get. But thankfully, Gary's a pal of mine. And I dropped him an email just to say, by any chance, do you have a spare copy that I could buy from you? And very kindly, he sent me one of his spare author's copies. But he didn't sign it, which I was a bit surprised at because Gary likes signing All book. right. Anyway, this is yes. the sixth Doctor and Mel and it effectively acts as a Sixth Doctor last adventure in which he becomes mm. en- engaged with, I think there's lots of interdimensions and alternate universes Doctor. Like there's a Sixth Doctor wearing black gear like the Val Yard and things like that. And it all concludes with the Doctor yeah. having to, he, he becomes super weak at the end, having given his energies to, to stop all these dimensions colliding which leaves them weakened. So when the Rani attacks the TARDIS, in time in the Rani, the Doctor is gone.
1: Yeah. I have things that I haven't read it. I bought it. I have a copy here. In fact, I had two copies, because there's a copy. I gave it my sister a copy for her classroom library a few years ago. Um, a teacher. I'm very proud of that fact. You'd think I would have read it, given that it was an attempt to kind of, you know give Colin a regeneration. And you obviously got the sense, especially as the books were winding up, that maybe it was being done as, as they sort of felt, you know, this is the last chance to sort of do this. I remember the guy who used to do the cartoon reviews, the cartoons that illustrated the review page in Doctor Who magazine, had did one for this book which had all the different versions of the Sixth Doctor that turned up. So it was a quite a skinny one. It was a guy wearing the blue costume from from real time, you know, which was you know appropriated, and used elsewhere since. I didn't read it. I can't remember why, but it came out in 2005. So the TV series, *Mars and Batman, I looking, flicking through my copy. It's got, you know, adverts at the back for the other sort of new series books like Deviant Strain with Justin Richards and Gareth Roberts' Only Human and Steve, Steve Lyons' Steals of Dreams. I can't I can't think why I didn't read it. No, it's you think, you think about it because obviously Big Finish a few years ago then gave, did a sort of dramatised final story for The Sixth Doctor, which was very, very good. Um, of course, it's one of the the first ones that I kind of listened to kind of feeling my way back into Big Finish. And it of course, led to my my complete adoration of Flip, played by Lisa Greenwood. So um, I should read Spiral Scratch. Maybe I'll I'll move that into the Mibbies pile as well. Right. So what's next after
0: that? Next is Fear Itself by Nick Wallace, which is unusual because it's an eighth Doctor novel with Fitz and Angie. So it slots in between a couple of the earlier books. But strangely enough, I remember nothing about it. I remember it's got a gorgeous sort of cover with DNA, but I'm afraid that I know nothing more about it off the top of my head.
1: Oh, well. I, I, haven't, I haven't even checked to see if I've got that one because if it's an Ape Doctor book, I imagine it's probably on my Ape Doctor shelf. But I don't have it here, so not to worry. What's next?
0: Next is World Game by Terence Dix. That's another awful Photoshop job with the Doctor dressed as Napoleon, the second Doctor.
1: Yes. I think, as I said in the last episode, I, I only read Players for the first time a few years ago. When I read that, it was the reprinted BBC edition, the, the 50th anniversary edition. And I read World Game at the same time. And I also read... The eighth Doctor book that tied in and featured the players round about the time of the Alan Turing book because I remember because I hadn't read players, I didn't read the eighth Doctor book because I was at, I was like, all right, wait a minute, I can't read this one because I haven't read this one. But i read I read them all for the first time about four years ago. So yes, World Game, I remember it's it's basically it's that idea of season six B, the idea that the second Doctor went on to have more adventures after the war games. And which, you know, if you wanted, if you wanted to, explains why the second doctor looks so much older in the two doctors and is in contact with the time lords in the two doctors, which, of course, if you just watch the TV episodes, he's reconnected with the time lords in the war games and then goes straight to, East London and to the, the popular family entertainer, John Z. Pertwee. I'm a season six B fundamentalist. There are rumours and hints in one of the latest big Finnish main range releases that they might be going down that that route as well. And I am all for it. I will sell my kidneys, I will sell my lungs, I will sell all of my important vital organs to pay for them if big finish are going down that route. What do you think of World Game then, Kenny?
0: I only remember one thing about it, and the doctor uses psychic paper in it, and I remember NAF all else. Right, so he does.
1: I see, I read it about three, four years ago, and I don't remember too much about it either, but I remember enjoying it. I remember reading the three books one after the other and enjoying the little sequence like I think Churchill was involved in, the, in players, if memory serves. Aye. Yeah, I was, in, I was into it. I was into it. So we must be very, very near the end.
0: We've got two more to go. The penultimate right. one is The Time Travellers by Simon Guerrier, which is the first Doctor right. Susan, Ian and Barbara book. And I remember reading this. I cannot remember the plot at all, but it's so clever. I remember it being so clever and absolutely loving it. I can actually remember it being in my bedside table. And this had been November '95. Mm. And Katie would have been three months away from being born. But I read this book, I think, over the space of three or four evenings and loved it. I just remember right. having lots of happy memories for it.
1: I haven't got it. I'm a big fan of Goody. I love what he does with Big Finish. He's done some stupendous, some amazing stuff. The First Doctor in the Companion Chronicles and you know the Early Adventures and all that sort of stuff. I am a huge fan of Simon, but I don't own the time travellers. I have a memory of a period a few years ago, four or five years ago, when I was buying a few... Of the BBC books on the cheap because you know, say I was reading World Game and Players and what have you, and I remember being outbid on a copy of the Time Travelers. So maybe I shall reinvestigate trying to get a hold of a copy of that one. Goodie writing the first Doctor, you just know it's going to be good. It's it's going to be tremendous. So what's the final? What's the final, final book, book in the time?
0: range? Is Atom Bomb Blues by Andrew Cartmell, the script editor, of course, during the seventh Doctor's era on TV. And Dave, do you have a copy of that? Yeah. I do
1: have a copy but I haven't read it which is terrible because I'm a huge huge fan of Andrew Cartmell he is after all the script editor of my favourite Doctor Who story of all time and I loved, absolutely loved his three new adventures which I'm sure I said at the time when we talked about them, so you'd think I would, have, I would have devoured Atom Bomb Blues I don't think I bought it at the time, I think this is one I've acquired recently and by which I mean within the last few years or so, I really should read it because I loved his new adventures, a lot of people didn't but I really did
0: I remember reading this, and I think this, there's the, so the Doctor and Ace end up in parallel dimension because they're trying to stop the destruction. Just that there's some sort of project or something like that, and they're trying to stop the, the bomb going off. I not <laughs> thinking, yeah, it's absolutely... The Doctor's really well written in it, has his ace, as you'd expect from Andrew Cartmill. I remember enjoying it, but it's quite ironic that the range went out with more of a whimper than a bang, given that it's called Atom Bomb mm. Blues, as the range just faded away after this. Yeah, because, you know, the... BBC
1: had started publishing the the nice little uniform design collectible hardbacks featuring the Ninth Doctor and Rose at this point. I mean, I only read a couple of the the first few. I've got them all, but they're still over there. Obviously, I read Only Human, and I read, I think I read, I think it was A Stealer of Dreams, or was it Deviant Strain? It was one of that wave anyway. I read a couple of the first Ninth Doctor books, and then after that, they, they churned out loads of Tenth Doctor books in that little hardback range, and that was it. It was a long, long time before we got any any books or any you know official fiction with any of the, the other doctors, it just kind of they just they just stopped.
0: Yeah, shame. Shame. I mean, thing is, it's a decent range, but it doesn't have anywhere near. The hit rate, I would have said, of the missing adventures that Virgin did. But right. all in all, I'd say it's an enjoyable range, but too many of them, I think... I mean, the fact that I don't remember as many of them as clearly as Missing yeah. Adventures, which were published further back in time. And these, I mean, yes. some of these are like 16 years ago since the last ones came out. And I don't remember much, whereas some of you are Missing Adventures. I read and I remember them clear as day.
1: Yeah, it's,
0: it's weird. There's only,
1: out of the ones that I read, there's only maybe a handful that have really strong memories. Maybe like Deep Blue... Indestructible Man, Immorality Tale really says a lot as well that they were the, the you know, I've maybe I can't even hazard a guess at how many out of the seventy odd books I actually did read, but it was maybe only a handful of them that made a real sort of lasting impression. It's not. I mean, that's not to say they were all bad. I mean, this was this was um for a good, you know, seven or eight years. That was that was what we got. That was our new Doctor Who in, in, in print. I don't think they were as popular as the New
0: Adventures. Why don't we wound up yeah. with one final round? Of the casket oh. Still Quantum Archangel game. That's a brilliant idea. Right,
1: give me some numbers.
0: Right, we've got two left here. We've right. got one from Paul Smy who says
1: 122. 122, okay. Tom tett I think it's a reference. Tardis Prevent. I shouldn't turn Yep. Well, yeah, the Master, and Melody's with the Master. Melanie is carefully picking her way through the Masters Power Room and there's references to Tom and and Stuart from the Time Monster
0: that counts doesn't
1: it yep
0: right her final one comes from Steve Higgins who suggests page 282
1: Steve Higgins very good friend of mine very good friend of the the show and my other podcast hello Steve I'm waving Um, Kenny say say hello to Steve hello to Steve there we go. Tremendous. Um, 282 then, Ken. Right, let's have a look. Crotivores and Eternals. There we are. Um, and a mention to the mask of the Master. And there we go. Yep. Yeah. Timeline of a- oh, in the last sentence. So yeah, that'll do. Tremendous. Thank you. Thank you, BB9, for that suggestion.
0: <laughs> well, Dave, that's been great fun. It has, hasn't it? It's been interesting to see what remember and what we don't. It's always nice filtering our Doctor Who remembrances
1: through our own remembrances because these things, these books like The Missing Adventures and New Adventures, are tied to such a specific, you know, period of time. And you know, it's nice to sort of remember where you were when this came out or what was happening. Yeah, I'm having really quite some really quite extreme flashbacks at the moment, prompted by having a wee flip through the the indestructible man. So yeah, nostalgia kills as they say.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, we're near the end of another episode of The Power of Three. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Power of Three Pod. You can find us on Facebook and like our page where you can comment or you can visit our website, www.powerofthree, that's the number three, com, where you can find all of our past episodes, including a few articles that we've written as well. I'd like to thank David Bishop for being our guest in this episode. David has a new novel out, City of Vengeance which is written by himself as D. V. Bishop. So please feel free to check it out as it's rather exciting, as he told me about it for my day job. Awesome. Dave, thank you very much for your company. Kenny, it was a pleasure, it always is. I'd like to thank Tom Harris for his company. And Dave, what should we play out with? Yes, it plays out today. We had so much fun recreating
1: the moves The Deeper Shade of Blue. Last week, or a fortnight ago, whenever it was, we put out the last episode. We're having another step song today in tribute to the book by the mighty Mr. Paxendale. Here's to death with Scared of the Dark.
2: What you can see can hurt you, they say. But I've been blind too many times before. Never see it come in your way. Shadows and secrets hide. Give me the bright lights of the dance
6: floor to shine inside this broken heart of mine. The way you move, I'm forgetting all the ghosts in my mind. Just say, you're